It's WrestleManiac, brother. It's the Coco Show, episode 28. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Coco Show. I'm John. And I'm Aaron, brother. <laughs> you know, I was going to try and do that in my wrestling voice. Yeah. But I, I don't know if I could keep it going long enough. I'm yeah. only good for about three or we four do the words. the whole show <laughs> like that. Every show. Not just this one. The what whole is the, knows what how is to talk. This, what is the second most recognizable wrestling voice aside from the Hulkster? The Hulkster and Macho Man kind of sound exactly no, the same. No, they don't. Hulk's like, <laughs> let me tell you something, brother. And Macho's like, ooh, yeah, ticket. That's what he does. That's how Which he does one it. stamps into a Slim Jim? That was Macho. Yeah, he was. He okay. ate the Slim Jims. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aaron, is there a bigger fan of professional wrestling than you? Oh, yeah, there is now. <laughs> but there... I have. Uh, is there a longer tenured one? Probably not so much. I've been a fan yeah. for a long time. Uh, I mean, but... I, I think that you're sort of well known, at least among our group of friends, as being the most learned man in the profession. Well, um, Rushi knows his fair share. I'll give give the devil his due. So, but I mean, he knows more about uh, the Japanese side of stuff and the women. But yeah, I've been around for a while. I've, I've seen a lot, Boat. We've uh, it's funny we we do uh, all these shows, but the amount of wrestling games that we've covered is staggeringly small. Yeah, I mean, and they're uh, all horrible. (laughs) Yeah, you noticed that? Uh, Yeah, I have noticed that. Popeye (laughs) wrestling comes to mind. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) Do you remember your first encounter with professional wrestling? Yes, I do. I remember my first encounter with professional wrestling. I was a young lad. And I'm talking, this would have been before I was in grade school. Uh, my mom worked, my dad worked, and so we had a, they had a babysitter for me, Bob and Jackie, this old couple. They lived up a Nitro boat, which is about 20 miles from here. Not that far, 15 miles. And every, uh, when I would be there on Saturday evenings, uh, they would turn on Georgia Championship Wrestling. And uh, it would be on. And I remember it. And I was bored, stupid at their house. There's no, they're an old couple. There's nothing for me right. to do. And so this wrestling would come on. And it was like a gift from the gods. You'd see <laughs> Tommy Wildfire Rich, Mr. Wrestling 2, the mass superstar, Ole Anderson. All these guys would come on the screen. And I was just, I was just like, man, what is this? And I really got into it uh, back then. Uh, but as I got older, I sort of got out of it when I stopped going over there to be babysat and started school. And then uh, my buddy Hose was a big wrestling fan. He never got over it, man. And about 1985, he was he started really bugging me to do you know about wrestling. And so I started getting back into it. And that would have been during the uh, TBS days of the 605 wrestling, NWA wrestling, World Championship wrestling, uh, and which is the same exact same show I'd been watching the babysatters just. A few years later, and uh, with a, uh, uh, a different set of commentators, but yeah, it was great, and it you know it, I've been into it ever since, for better or for worse. It's a time sink. It literally makes you uh, your IQ drop the more you watch it. But it's just one of those things that well, happens. Well, you know, it's funny because we were talking a little bit before the show, and you said that WrestleMania kind of resembles the wrestling of the '60s and the '70s. So, if you were going to just sum up, you know, wrestling by decade in a few words. What would you categorize the wrestling of the 60s as? Well, really, wrestling from the, I would say from the late 70s back, was sort of a traditional uh, art where guys pretended to actually fight. I mean, you look, mm-hmm. they, their goal was to make it look 
fairly realistic and to trick you into thinking that it was real. That was what they did. Yeah. And uh, uh, when uh, and when the 80s rolled around, and it, don't get me wrong, mo- a lot of people had figured it out by then, you know. Mm-hmm. But as the 80s wore on, it got more and more goofy or less realistic. And, to, and then once the WWF started uh, with Vince at the helm, they completely abandoned any sort of uh, illusion that it was real. In fact, ultimately, Vince came forth and said it wasn't real, so he didn't have to keep paying the athletic commissions and stuff, all these extra insurances and taxes, that it, because they were still paying for it like it was a sporting event. And so when, when that happened, the cat was out of the bag. But by that time, You'd seen, I mean, and really, even in the 70s and 80s and 60s, there was a lot of goofy stuff going on. You had wrestling mummies, you know. I mean, that's hard to suspend your disbelief for that, you know. Uh, you, you know, st- stuff like that. And by the 80s, you had aliens and you had uh, uh, all kinds of goofy stuff. Uh, so just, it was, just flat out, most ridiculous wrestling gimmick you've ever seen. Well, I mean, the mummies right up there, the Yeti is another one that comes to mind. Who was like, you know, he was a Yeti, called the Yeti. He looked like a big mummy. Uh, there were these. <laughs> Wait a there, the Yeti looked like a mummy? Yeah, they called him the Yeti, but he was looking like a big mummy. Uh, the Ding Dongs come to mind. There were these two guys that stood and they were tag team from, they were from Bellevue. And they, they had, they wore full body suits. And they had a bell on their chest. And in the corner, they had a bell and they would ring it to get the crowd fired up. And I, everybody hated the Ding Dongs. They were horrible. And you remember those old '80s body suits that the wrestlers wore with the mask? Oh yeah. And I distinctly remember this match where someone grabbed one of the Ding Dongs and threw them into that turn, turnbuckle, and that bell fell off and it hit the ground. Burn! And, they, and the crowd was delighted as these Ding Dongs got murdered. <laughs> so they come to mind. There was the Juicer. He's another guy that comes to mind. He was he was like a Beetlejuice wrestler, and he had powder in his hair. And he had space paint. He's another guy. I mean, I could go on and on. There's been there's there's been every sort of stupid gimmick you could think of uh, in wrestling. But you know, at this point, in the, if you look at wrestling now, it's almost a race to kill yourself. Is what I mean. They hit a million fit. in the old days. You could beat guys with like a drop kick or a headlock, something mm-hmm. like that, or an arm bar. Now you could do a triple lindy off the roof of the building onto onto a bed of nails, and the guy will kick out. It's just ludicrous, <laughs> you know. But it's it's different. It's a lot more athletic than it was. But yeah, in the old days, you'd see a lot more kind of big oafish guys in singlets kind of rumbling around like at a WrestleManiac. Are you ready to take the plunge into the exciting world of the Tandy Color Computer? If you tried emulation and found it to be confusing and unreliable, what the hell is Bitbanger? It's time to get yourself a real Coco and get yourself over to RetroRewind.ca and get it out with everything you need to enter the Coco universe. The Coco SDC is the fastest, easiest way to jump into the nirvana that is gaming on the Tandy Color Computer. A preloaded SD card is already included, so just pop it in your Coco and away you go. Pick up your Coco SDC at Retro Rewind and be sure to use the promo code AMIGOS10 to save 10% off the already low price. Thank you to RetroRewind.ca for sponsoring the Coco Show. Yeah, well, I think that that's a perfect lead-in to this week's game, WrestleMania. You know, you mentioned, you asked me the first time I'd actually uh, seen wrestling. I will tell you, this is the first wrestling game I ever bought. Oh, it, really? It's, it's one of the few Coco games I ever legally purchased, I might add. Uh, the uh, truth of the matter is, 
Uh, I've got this game out of the back of a of a magazine. Uh, it was uh, you could you could order it, you know, mail order it, and have it sent to you. And so I, I I'm sure I begged my mom or dad. If you look at the date, it's '86, uh, which is right when I had really gotten back into wrestling, and I wanted to have a game, a wrestling game to play on my on my computer. And so this was the result. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, this is this is WrestleManiac. Two words. Uh, it was authored by a fellow named Kevin Hoer. Uh, he actually did some stuff uh, that's pretty good as a member of his publisher, which is Diacom Products. Uh, he did F-16 Assault, uh, which is good. Gal- Galactic Fighter, Iron Forest, Lansford Mansion. Uh, his uh, outfit, Diacom Products, uh, himself along with David Dyes, they uh, they started this in 84, from what I can determine. I looked at Rainbow Magazine and found an article. They talked about the beginnings of, of uh, Diacom products. And these guys did some pretty interesting stuff on the Coco boat, including the light gun games. They had an interface that allowed you to hook up a, uh, a master system phaser, and you could play light gun games on your on your uh, Coco. Wow. Is, now, yeah, did, is, did you did you ever do that back in the day? I, did I, you I, I had no idea you could even do it. I'm stunned at that. Yeah. They all, now, get this boat, and you're going to love the name of this. They also they developed and designed this thing called the Rat Graphics Design Package. Okay? Was it Rat with two T's like the band? No, it's Rat with one T like the horrible rote you want to kill. Uh-oh. But here's the ready. Get ready for this. This was a paint product for your cocoa that had that you could buy with an accompanying mouse. Oh, uh, hence so, the name. Okay, I, makes I, sense. I, I assume so. So, in fact, we got a guy here that says he still has his old Curtis Bush. Should have known. Uh, Diacom products, but they produced a lot of stuff here, boat. I, I believe it or not, I had to do a ton of research, but I found I made a list here of stuff. I'm gonna run through it real quick because we were talking about Diacom again. And but I want you to see if you I want to see if you can name the hilarity in some of these, okay? Listen to these titles and think to yourself, where have I heard that before? Okay, so they did a game called Caladuro Flame of Light with an F 16 assault. We mentioned those, they also did Gantlet. They did Gantlet 2, all right? They did Knockout, all right? They did uh, Paper Route. They did Rush, Un, Attack. And they did Xenion. So you can hear all these. What it, they, these? This company's got a lot of uh, a, a lot clones. of originality over there. At, uh... Yeah. Also, the everyone's favorite, Karate, is involved. They've also got that one. Uh, I believe the uh, a game called Iron Forest is one of the phaser games that you can get. Uh, like I said, I believe they had two phaser games. Uh, so that's it's kind of neat. They're a neat company. And again, Kevin uh, Hoar, who's the fellow that did this game, uh, was involved with the making that company. So uh, WrestleManiac, it released in 86, uh, will work on any of the Cocos of 64K uh, of RAM. It says here there's a disc or tape uh, version. I had the disc. Uh, uh, it was one to two joysticks. And the price on this, I looked up. And this is what we paid for it back at eighty six. Boat twenty eight ninety five. I paid. You know, for I, this. I I happened to see that, and I mean, I'm always floored. I know that that was just the price of Cocoa Games back in the day, but man, trust me, I'm floored too. After playing this for a couple minutes, I'm like, <laughs> holy smokes! So, uh, what is WrestleManiac? Well, WrestleManiac is a wrestling game for one to two people. Uh, where you take one or two wrestlers and you fight each other. It's a simple game. It is a scored game, so you do generate a score. Uh, the game itself 
It features a, a ring that fills the majority of the screen with sort of a 3D view and an audience around it. And it's sort of like a bunting at the at the at the bottom of the screen. It sort of like simulates the ring apron, I guess. Both. Yeah. And yeah, the, I, I miss I miss the days when you had a good bunting yeah. around the ring. At the top of the screen, probably I would say we could safely say this takes up one third of the screen, boat. Is is it's the patented ZX special, a, mm-hmm. a huge logo of the game, plus in big <laughs> huge letters, the author of the game in the year the game came out, <laughs> and then under it are these tiny life bars and score. So he really made sure to put himself over. With this, with this particular logo, he wanted the world to know that he was the man behind WrestleManiac. Now, I'm going to ask you, Boat, uh, right out of the gate, what did you think of this when you just first fired it up? I well, I wish I could tell you that I was shocked that this was the wrestling game on the Coco, but Aww. this was pretty much exactly what I expected. Uh, what a burial! You know, um, I didn't expect it to be quite as bad as it was. And I'll tell you, and it really has nothing to do with the graphics and the gameplay. It has to do with uh, other factors. I will say that um, I had a hard time getting this to run. Yeah. Uh, if you, uh, I imagine most of the people listening to this show are familiar with the Coco Game Archive, uh, the Coco Software Archive, which is where uh, if I don't have a game on my SDC Coco uh, card already, I'll pull it off there. Uh, that version of the game just didn't work. It didn't yeah. work for me. Uh, and so we we relied yet again on the ever-present L. Curtis Boyle, who searched through his old discs and found a different version of the game that did run for us. Uh, this was a cracked version that actually ran on both the, all three of the Cocos, one, two, and three. They had separate editions for yeah. each one. I'm going to give Curtis, uh, Chris credit on finding this because, I mean, I knew about this game well before this show, and I wanted yeah. to play it when I got back into the Coco. But having a Coco 3, I could never find a version that runs. And I talked to Curtis about it before. So I don't know how long this one's been known about. Maybe no one cared but us, Boat. Right. Uh, but I think that that might have up. something to do with it. Yeah. Thumbs up um, to Curtis. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, the if you just be aware that the version for the Coco 3 runs twice as fast. However, that will not improve your your experience with this game. Uh, I had the, the best experience with the Coco 2 version. Um, and uh, because the game ran at what I presumed to be the correct speed as it matched the speed that was on the, the playthrough from a high retro game lord. Um, so anyway, you fire this thing up. There is no character selection. It's, it's, it's you and the other guy. That's the, you can choose whether you want to play teams. Uh, you can't, there is a tag team mode in this game. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't bother with the tag team mode. I played the single match. Uh, there is, and, uh, you can choose, uh, I think you can choose demo mode where you can just watch the, the guys go at it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but other than that, you just get right into the match. Um, what you have is you have two identical wrestlers wearing slightly different attire. They're hunched over as if they're part of the earlier species of human, the kind that did not quite walk upright. Caveman Uglympics. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they slowly sort of meander about the ring uh, with little regard to each other, uh, unless one should happen to be in the vicinity of the other one. In which case, if you press the button, it will almost certainly do a move that you do not want to do. Um, this is uh, a game where it's, it's the old one-button special. And we've come across this on wrestling games before. We played a game on the ZX Spectrum called Rock and Wrestle, which employed a a similar um, kind of control scheme where you are either pressing a direction in the button or button first, then direction to do moves. 
Um, on paper, that seems great because you're like, man, look at all these different moves I can do. But in practice, it's difficult. And there's a couple reasons why. One is that it's sort of the curse of any game in which you move about a 3D plane. This is a, a game that you you can actually move pretty much anywhere you want in the ring in terms of you you have both axes of movement available to you. Um, but it makes it difficult to kind of line yourself up with the other wrestler. Um, there, there's, there's not a whole lot of feedback telling you that you are in line with the other guy. And uh, the, the other wrestler doesn't do you any favors because here's the thing about both these wrestlers. If you ever watch real wrestling, real wrestling, there's not like, there's not a whole lot of circling that goes on. Pretty much if you watch a wrestling match, the two fighters approach each other and they immediately start to grapple. You know, that's the thing. They got to lock up. That's what you call it, right? Yeah, you got it, man. Yeah. You lock, lock up. up. That's okay. Right. And that's sort of the saving grace of a lot of good wrestling video games is because the lockup gives you physical confirmation that, yes, you are lined up with the other, the other wrestler and you can attempt to move now. You don't get the lockup in WrestleManiac. What you do get is the old awkward like punch or kick that may line up with the guy or it may not. Um, yeah. th- that that is sort of that is sort of the my my initial five minutes with the game was was that much. Well, first of all, let's back up for one second. Okay, so I had this back in the day on my Coco Two at the time. Yes, there is a speed difference to be placed in the Coco Three, and it is, actually it makes a difference in the way the game plays. This game, would you, do you think it plays better faster? No, you. It's it's virtually unplayable at faster right. speeds. Um. So, listen, we let's get, snap back for a minute here. Okay, it's nineteen and eighty six. Okay, wrestling games were not far along. Okay, and so what Kevin attempted here, it was noble to a certain degree. And he came close. He came close to getting this. And Boat did sort of nail uh, nail it there when he said that there's no grappling in this per se. In most games, when you get close enough to each other, you'll either grab the guy and and get into a lock, or you'll grab him, for, you know, and lock him from behind, so you can do stuff like a belly to back suit play or whatnot. In this game, there's no grappling. You literally just walk around. And the game does have several moves, but a lot of the majority of the moves aren't available to you initially, because do uh, you have a life bar in this, and sort of like a, uh, a, a like a stunned bar? I guess would be the best way to put well, it's, it. It's a two phase life bar. You yeah, have yeah, right. Sort of your normal life, well, and then you can get worn down into which you reach the stunned zone. Right, that's what I mean. Like there, a there's red a, bar at the, the bottom. The, of the life that's bar. right. That's yeah. a different colored bar because you'll right. use up all your normal bar. And so when you're in this zone, your guy is basically stands there looking like a doofus. And that's when you can employ the majority of the neater maneuvers in this, your pile drivers and such. Uh, when you're just running around like goose, you look, you look, if you're kicking, you look sort of like a hunchback rocket, and your punches aren't great either. You can also grab the guy and th- Irish whip him, which means take him and throw him into the ropes. He kind of bounces back, and you can sort of clothesline him, but it really doesn't, it doesn't fall down. Or anything, nothing. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're limited with the clothesline animation because of the angle that you see the wrestlers. Yeah, if their arm is extended straight out beside them, it doesn't look like anything. Yeah, and so Uh, it's when you also when you come off the ropes, you're able to do this incredible flying leap in which you you can leap literally in in the in the in the in the physics of the game, you're leaping about eight or nine feet up into the air to no discernible effect. Yeah, yeah, I I could do that in real life now. 
as you wear the guy down, you get him where he's stunned. Then you can start breaking out the cool stuff. Right. There's a there's a body slam. There's a backbreaker, and there's the world's wackiest pile driver. And I I used to play this with my buddy Hose, and we loved using the pile driver because the real power driver, you pick the guy up around the waist, you pick him up with his feet over his head, and you crash down on top of his head. You sit down, and his head crashes in the canvas. In WrestleManiac, you physically grab the opponent, you spin him completely around, and then you lightly touch his forehead to the mat a couple times. It's the goofiest <laughs> move you ever saw. The first time we did it, in fact, we still mention it to this day, you know, because it's just so silly. But it is in there. And the fact that this game has sort of some more advanced, you know, maneuvers, it's kind of cool. Backbreaker looks pretty good. Uh, the tag mode is literally just going to the corner, hitting the button, and you another exact duplicate of your guy will come in with another life bar. That's the only difference. So you can play tag mode. I mean, it's nice that it's in there. The game does have a top rope maneuver. One, you can use it anytime you want. The guy going to the top rope is slower than I am. Like, I mean, it's like, it's <laughs> unbelievably slow. So by the time he can see we're near the top rope, you could be in a car or at the concession stand or any place. It takes forever. Now, if you're stunned, really stunned you may have enough time to get up there but what normally happens is you come off that thing and you don't hit anything and that's the quickest way to wear yourself down is mm -hmm. by coming off the top rope because that's what wears you down um the computer is uh irritating to fight because basically these games come this game comes down to a chasing match you chase the computer all over the place and kick and punch and try to do more damage than he's doing until you stun him that's the game I mean, that's literally nine-tenths. It's more than that. It's like eight, 90 one-hundredths of the game is that. Uh, and then you can do your special moves. Uh, there's a count. You have a ref's count, but you don't save a ref. You just have there's a, literally a category at the top of the screen called count, where you see the one, two, three. As far as I can tell, it's impossible to be pinned in one-player mode. I have never don't think it's ever happened. Uh, so it's just, you just keep wrestling forever until you pin the opponent. Uh, this is a game that was much more enjoyable with two players. I will say that. Me and my buddy Hose. Now, granted, we made, we had nothing else to do. Okay? This is one of those situations where it's like, wow, if that's what that's all well, you got. And, and, you, know? and you, you also made a good point that, you know, 86 is very early on in terms of wrestling games. And I guarantee you that Kevin Hoare wasn't checking out the latest from Japan when he was, when he well, was writing I mean, this up. In the fact, gameplay elements of it are going to be real it, basic. In yeah. fact, um, you know, I I don't know if, you know, what else was going on in the world of computers at all in terms of wrestling games. You know, Wait, were there, did, I mean, what year did the NES wrestling, the very famous pro wrestling come out on the NES? Do you remember? I'm going to have to uh, let me look that up real quick. Why? Because you I mean, if you consider that now, granted, there's a there's a wide gap between that game and this one. But oh, I mean, yeah. OK, so. So, the, yeah, like I said, it's 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 probable that Kevin was was not up because, I mean, this was this came out in 86 in Japan. Yeah. Uh, but it, and then it came out, I think, late yeah, in 80, uh, 87 in the U.S. Right. So, so this, this it, it hadn't, it hadn't been released yet. So there was really not, I, I don't know what was going on on the C64. That would be the only thing that I would be curious about. You know, what kind of hot, hot wrestling action was available on the C64 to compare this with? Yeah. Because, like you say, you know, the graphics, aside from the fact that your guys stoop all the time, which I think looks dumb, uh, I wish that he they would he would have just drawn the sprites upright. Yeah. Um, the, the graphics look great. I mean, uh, great in terms of the Coco. Yeah. And uh, the, the sprites are big. 
and the moves look cool. When you do pull off the moves, they look cool. The pile driver looks goofy, you're right. But I mean, like, the, it, you, you get a thrill. Even when the computer is doing something to you, you sort of get a thrill out of it. I will tell you that when I got this in the mail, and keep in mind that my folks paid 30 bucks for this, you know, I'm sure right. plus shipping. I was underwhelmed, even in, in 86. And I got this the second it came out, I had them buy it for me. I was like, I don't ask for much. I want this. And so even back then, I wasn't like, but I mean, we did derive fun from it in two-player mode. I never, ever played this by myself, though. Mm -hmm. uh, so there you go. And I'm sure just like, yeah, and I, I totally get that. I totally yeah. get that with a two-player, you know, playing this with a buddy is going to be where the fun is at. But this game, it's inexcusable to me that you can play this game forever. Like, I played this game a lot, more than I care to admit, uh, <laughs> because it's a game that once you start playing it, because you can't be pinned, you sort of lose track of time. And before yeah. you know it, you've spent 20 or 30 minutes just kind of blindly kicking and punching around the yeah. ring trying to make something happen. The problem is, is that in this game, your life meter is constantly refilling. Yes, that's... And so, well, yeah. In an effort in an effort to wear your opponent down to where you can A, do a cool move, or B, pin your opponent to win the game, unless you have just sort of superhuman abilities, I was never able to get my opponent worn down enough to where the stun meter would last long enough, because what would happen is I'd get him worn down enough to where it would be in the stun meter, but then he'd run away, and by the time I caught back up to him, he'd be beyond that beyond that. Right. Yet. If you so. play the Coco Three version, you're screwed. You can never get there. On the other, on the yeah. slower versions, you can get there because you've got. It's easier to actually get him and kick him, but it does refill too quickly. That's there's no doubt about that. This is just one. Listen, you're not going to want to play this today. Let's face facts. Even with two players, it might be sort of fun for a few minutes. But you know, this is a game of its ear, and it didn't age well, and it wasn't that great to begin with. I'll give the guy credit for giving it a shot, boat. Mm -hmm. But I would call this one El Stinko Grande. And that, keep in mind that I own the darn thing. I should mention that it came in a plastic bag uh, with a photocopied uh, booklet, folded, basically a piece of paper folded in half that had that all the instructions. Away. In yeah. fact, it looked like it would be. And, and the funny thing is, with the exception of the art on the front, it looked like the entire booklet had been hand typed and then photocopied. So I don't think this went to a print setter. There was no. no, they weren't doing jack. This was literally typed in by somebody that Diacom and then they Xeroxed it. So this is one of those games. You know, I often wonder because, you know, obviously the Coco scene infinitesimal compared to the ZX Spectrum. But the if you were putting out software, say through mail order, and you were charging 30 bucks for a game. Yeah. You know, you don't need to sell that many copies compared to somebody trying to, to hawk a budget, you know, one pound 99 title yeah. out of the, you know, out of a news agent at the ZX Spectrum where the publisher's taking a, taking a, um, a cut and all that stuff. Right. So I wonder at the end of the day, if these Cocoa developers, Tom Mix and uh, th th this outfit, if at the end of the day, they weren't pulling in more cash just by virtue of fleecing their customers charging 30 bucks per a game. Well, I, and I can't speak to their other releases. I know the, I know Gantlet, Gantlet 2, F-16, those were big titles for the Coco. Uh, I can't. I can't re imagine this is a big title, and I'll. I, you know, uh, but uh, and I can't imagine they moved too many units like this. And also, the game coming out in '86, because that's when you were starting to get a lot more options than you would have had, say, a couple years before that. Uh, but but I mean, you might be right. 
Uh, I can tell you that uh, it seems like you would have just have even back in those days the Coco audience was smaller than this. I, I would think than the Spectrum audience, but I could be wrong. It's hard to it's it's almost apples to oranges compared to two different countries' computers. You know, in terms. Oh of yeah, the, it's just it's just kind of a fun thing to think about yeah. whether the economies of scale kicked in that way or not. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Well, that's going to do it for WrestleMania. What? No what? No reviews on this one, boat. <laughs> well, you know, we, we, we it's stunning that uh, Curtis said that he he did it. He 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 put a little a little review up saying that he was busy with work, but uh, this is one that he enjoyed in two player mode, uh, and yeah. which is is the way to to do it. This will be um, played at Boat Fest. I guarantee it. I'm gonna have that on the big screen. On, yeah, on the on big the main screen. Stage yes, sir. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, we do appreciate everybody who, uh, supports the Coco show, this fine endeavor. Of course, we've got the, the people that, uh, watch us live on twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. Uh, we record this show, uh, on there. If you, you can, um, become notified <laughs> by clicking the bell whenever we go live, you can, uh, we record the show about once a month. Of course, we are getting ever, ever closer to our goal, Aaron, of making the Coco Show a weekly program. Oh, man. Uh, once we reach that $200 a month in Patreon supporters, uh, we want to thank our Coco Show uh, Game Selection Committee members, Robert Murphy and Steve Rasmussen. They're really the superstars. Uh, they help select this fine, fine piece of software. And, of course, we want to thank all of our Coco Show supporters on Patreon, Graham Vebke, Edvin Helen, Steve Rasmussen, Buttons, and William Becker. Um, and, uh, that's going to do it, Aaron, uh, patreon.com slash the Coco show. If you want to kick in a couple bucks a month to keep this show rolling, uh, next month, we are going to be playing Aaron Draconian. Draconian. Now that one, I know good game. I'm anxious to give that yeah. one a whirl boat. Yeah. So we hope you will join us next time. And until then all hail El Curtis Boyle. Hmm.